0: News is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Ah. See, a United States astro robot becomes a creature of death.
1: And these.
0: We have come here to this planet for one purpose only to. Require breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. New of the law shall be punished.
1: Welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie podcast from classic cults and all the cheese in between. The movies your B, Bernard Hayman is grade A, and this time out it's just me, and I'm talking about Jack the Giant Killer, and I'll get to it right after this.
0: Beloved throughout the ages, by all ages, such indeed is the glamorous legend of the ancient kingdom of Cornwall and of its greatest hero, Jack the Giant Killer. Hail to Sir Jack, to Jack the Giant Killer. Hail to Jack. Starring Kerwin Matthews, star of the seventh voyage of Sinbad, and Judy Meredith. Those were the days when giants roamed the countryside. It was at such a time that a young farmer single-handed fought and overcame one of the most fearsome giants who ever ravaged the land. After three years in the making, Hollywood brings you the amazing story of Jack's adventures and the fabulous dangers he encountered when he dared to set himself up against the black prince of all witches, Pendragon. Pendragon had carried off the princess, held her under a magic spell. And now, use his mighty powers to keep Jack from saving her. See Jack's terrific ordeal with the Witches of the Wind. Jack! Jack! His wondrous duel with the armored warriors of the Dragon's Teeth. encounter with the monstrous two-headed giant. See the enchanted doll that came to life and made a princess dance with joy. Sail with Jack the Giant Killer. Share his thrilling adventures on the high seas. Meet his young friend Peter, Sigurd the Viking, and the lovable imp of the bottle. A little toy man. Mm-hmm. Insulting a leprechaun. A toy, you say? Oh, for that there'll be the devil to pay. See his face-to-face clash with Pendragon insult- himself <laughs> And above all, don't miss Jack's gigantic battle with the flying harpy. You'll agree, Jack the Giant Killer is the greatest! <laughs>
1: Jack the Giant Killer was released in Los Angeles June 13, 1962, with a nationwide release July 16, 1962, with a 94-minute running time. I just want to be very clear. Uh, you're going to hear me talk about Jack the Giant Killer uh, this episode, and I'm talking about the regular version of Jack the Giant Killer, not the musical version. We'll talk about some of the musical version, but we need to understand that we're talking about the regular, complete version of Jack the Giant Killer. Now, uh, Jack the Giant Killer... Um, is probably, I would say, kind of famous for what it's not. And that's kind of a weird way maybe to say that. But let me read you some names and you tell me what this might sound like. Your director here is Nathan Duran. Now, Nathan Duran, of course, we know directed Seven Voyages Sinbad. Um, Nathan Duran um, would also go on to, uh, you know, he worked, he, worked at Universal and he was a director of... You know um, some westerns, things like Law and Order and the um, the Golden Blade, um, and then like Tumbleweed. Um, But he is most known for his science fiction and fantasy work, um, where uh, he worked uh, with uh, he 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 worked on Deadly Mantis, um, and then he followed that up with Hellcats of the Navy starring Ronald Reagan, um, and actually uh, Nancy Davis, who was uh, and went on to be Ronald Reagan's wife. Um, and then Charles Schneer actually brought him in uh, on 20 Million Miles to Earth uh, to uh, work with Harryhausen. And uh, once we had that, Seven Voyages of Sinbad followed, um, The Blame for Prana Arrows, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, etc. Uh, and the crazy part uh, about this is that, yes, these are you know all movies you've heard of and stuff. And you know Duran is a- often remembered for his work on Seven Voyages of Sinbad. Nathan Duran also gets a writing credit here along with... Uh, um, Orville Hampton, Uh, Orville Hampton, um, who passed away in 97, had some uh, credits, uh, you know, had some credits for movies like um, The Snake Woman, The Underwater City, Dog's Best Friend, uh, Detroit 9000, and even is back as having just dialogue credits um, from Rocketship XM, some uncredited roles like in Last Continent, stuff like that, and then... Your producer here was uh, Edward Small. Um, now, Edward Small is the one that's the name that's going to be important. You're thinking, well, Edward Small, didn't he also uh, produce Seven Voyages of Sinbad? The answer is yes. Um, he did. Um, he would go on to do, he, he, he had previously done um, like The Count of Monte Cristo in 34, The Man in the Iron Mask in 39, um, The Original Brewster's Million in 45, The Raw Deal in 48. Uh, and then he is very much involved. Um, with that, uh, when you start getting... He's in a lot of RKO stuff, and then later on in his life, was very much involved in Columbia Pictures. Um, And then later on, would go from back from Columbia, back to United Artists, um, and then into some larger money things. So, like, and then eventually, like, Curse of the Faceless Man, the the Four Skulls of Jonathan Drake, uh, the flight that disappeared, things like that. And then... We are talking, so, and then the other uh, producer here um, is Robert Kent. Robert Kent um, was known as a screenwriter a lot of times, actually, um, and he worked for Sam Katzman. And and then what happened was, I mean, Sam Katzman, we know, has produced a lot of these movies um, that we've talked about. And your main stars here are Kieran Matthews. Um, and then, uh, Judy Meredith plays, uh, the female lead and then Thorn Thatcher. Now I'm very more interested in talking about Kieran Matthews, Thorne Thatcher, Edward Small and Nathan Duran. So, um, what happened was, uh, Jack the Giant Killer, again, is 62. Um, what you had, you know, kind of loosely based on the, on the, on the, story of Jack the Giant Killer and it does feature, uh, stop motion animation um, now, Edward Small actually uh, you know, used to work for Columbia and then wasn't working for Columbia anymore. Um, but he was threatened by Columbia Studios that this release was too close to Seven Foiges Sinbad, especially since he went and got, um, you know, he, he was able to reunite uh, Kieran Matthews and Duran and Thatcher all together to work on it and very much gave this a feel and even some of the creatures a look very similar to Seven Foiges Sinbad. So this film, and this is one of the things we were to talk about more as we go forward, um, it was recut into a musical. Now, if you're thinking, like, that seems really weird, it is. Um, I can honestly say I've seen... I want to say I've seen the musical probably all the way through once, but I say that, but I might not have ever seen it all in one sitting. But I definitely have seen the musical at least once because I remember thinking to myself, what am I sitting here watching? So simple things make sense, Um, like... Literally, when you have the opening uh, of the story, uh, let's say, okay, so let's say the princess's birthday is happening, and then there's trumpets and whatever. But what happens now is in the recut, the musical version, um, there's people in the street singing, they're dancing. It's very much like a Disney kind of like production almost. It's crazy how different it is. And is it better? Uh, to me, no. I mean, hard, I mean, that's a hard no, but it was to make it different enough so you couldn't say, well, this is clearly just Seven Voyage of Sinbad again. Um, There are many other places where musical interludes come in, um, including stuff that uh, includes, uh, you know, Thorin Johnson as Pendragon, um, because he's not called Sakura. Um, And part of it, again, it seems weird. Like these things just, they seem out of place. They don't seem like they belong, um, including, you know, them talking about how they, singing about how they failed to, you know, uh, stop the 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 young peasant uh, farmer. It talk it talks it's just a lot of different things. Even the leprechaun cheering on Va- Jack um, actually has more to. He's cheering him on, but it's almost become, it becomes musical. It's like it just seems so weird when you start looking at what they did here compared to what we would have get you know in the in the actual movie itself. Now. Some of you might be thinking, okay, Jay, well, that seems kind of weird, and so why does this exist? So what happened was, uh, this is right after the release. So um, what happened was, it was about 30 years later, um, so it's in the 90s now, they were going to put Jack the Giant Killer back out, and at that point, uh, Columbia... Um, which already knows that there's no way anyone's going to mistake G- Jack the Giant Killer for Seven Voyages Sinbad Was pretty okay with them doing it So that's what we got the full version And that's the version that if you have seen Jack the Giant Killer Either the standalone movie or the riff tracks of it or whatever You have seen the actual cut If there's no singing and dancing That's the normal cut So anyway um, let's get right to what we're talking about here, and that is uh, Jack the Giant Killer. So, um, sorry, United Artists was distribution. Uh, Zenith Pictures was a production company. Uh, and we'll, there we go from there. All right. In the Duchy of Cornwall of the fairy of fairy tale days, an evil sorcerer named Pendragon, now that's uh, Thorne Thatcher, Um he looks a lot like Sakura because that's what Thorin Thatcher looks like. Um, except here, they gave him really big eyebrows and a goatee and stuff like that. So he looks a little bit different. Um, Pendragon rules over uh, the giants, which is Hobgoblins and other dark creatures. Okay. A wizard named uh, uh, Haral, Haral defeats him and exiles Pendragon and his followers to an uncharted island. After Haral dies, there is no longer a defense against Pendragon... Who vows his revenge? Okay, so that's kind of like the backstory there. Years later, uh, the kingdom is celebrating the crowning of uh, Princess Elena, the daughter of King Mark. Uh, it's for the birthday celebration. She's of age, so she will now be uh, be uh, crowned. Pendragon arrives, disguised as a foreign lord named uh, Eldorus, and presents Elena with a music box containing a miniature uh, Anna. Mo- Anna- Anthropomorphic dancing jester. Now let's just talk there. Now the little jester comes out, and this is done with stop motion. The stop motion team here is not Ray Harryhausen. Uh, uh, Danforth uh, is, is uh, Jim Danforth is part of this team. Um, it's some of his earliest work, if not his first, on film like major film work. Uh, the you'll notice when you look at the anim anamorph- the an- anthropomorphic um, dancer, he has. Some features that are very much that of the Cyclops, but yet he has two eyes and whatever. But he looks different. Not so different that you wouldn't think of the Cyclops that Harryhausen did. But different enough, you know, where maybe in a court of law you don't get all the way sued. You just kind of get some of the way sued. Anyway, um, so he has the dancing gesture and it's all done with miniature. Now, again, forced perspective. We're watching... Um, it's all obviously filmed, and then the the film itself of the um, stop motion is done in front of the projection. So that night, Pendragon peers into a sleeping Elena's bedroom chamber and magically opens the music box, releasing the tiny gesture. Hang on, I'll start right there. So we have uh, Pendragon peering into the princess's bedroom because we've never seen that before. We've never seen that in a movie directed by Nathan Duran starring Kieran Matthews with Thorne Thatcher. Never. Um, and he's able to make the creature grow into a giant named uh, Cormoran. Okay, now when Cormoran grows, we pretty much have the Cyclops. But he's not exactly the Cyclops because, you know, we don't want to get sued. Um, so he, joint, he grows into a hideous giant named Cormoran that the castle guard are powerless to stop as he abducts Princess Elena. Cormoran takes Elena to Pendragon's ship where his bumbling henchman, uh, uh, Garna, or G- Garn, Garnia, is waiting. A brave young farmer named Jack rescues Elena and slays Cormoran. Uh, okay, so this all starts happening. So Jack, he kills him. Okay, so he doesn't kill him in, in he's fight. They're fighting and it's they're in the windmill. And Jack gets a rope around his throat and hangs him because it's 1962 and that's what we're doing here in a kids movie. Uh, we are going to hang uh, Cormoran and you know basically string him up and he gets. You know, Jack is able to kill him, um, and then and thus saving the princess. So uh, uh, Garnia escapes to uh, escapes to Pendragon. is able to escape with Pendragon. Um, in gratitude, King Mark uh, knights Jack and appoints him Elena's protector. I'm not sure he necessarily wanted that job per se, but he kind of liked the princess and she kind of likes him and it makes it kind of easy to get access to the princess if you're her protector, if you know what I mean. So, um <laughs> Jack and Elena begin to fall in love and King Mark and his counselor are concerned over Pendragon's looming danger. Now, uh are you know, Jack has managed to kill Cormoran and and it's not a bad scene. I shouldn't say, I mean, I it, it's hard because when you look at the stop motion and you're like well this isn't Harryhausen yeah we know right everyone knows it's not Harryhausen and it's not gonna look like Harryhausen but it's not like Gumby Claymation either it's kind of a middle ground um if it's Danforth depending on what part he did he became much better as he got older but by the same token though that's true of a lot of Special effects artists, as you see them, as they get older and more seasoned and learn more, their stuff gets better, especially especially stop motion. So um, where is it? Okay, the king assigns Jack to guide Princess Elena to a convent across the sea where she'll be safe. Um, and then what happens is the plan is ordered by Elena's waiting wait lady in waiting, Lady Constance, who bewitched by Trendrag- Pendragon reveals the king's plan to him. Okay. So Dragon has Lady Constance is now, uh, she's possessed. So she's basically, she looks normal, but when you look in a mirror, you can see that there's something up with this lady, you know, kind of thing. Um, very much, it's, it's this has a lot of, compared to, okay. So compared to Seven Foys of Sinbad, this has a lot of like, um, fairy tale uh, aspects to it, so to speak, compared to just like, um like maybe i don't know how to describe this it it's, it's much more in the fairy tale re- realm of uh storytelling compared to just an adventure movie that has creatures and monsters and stuff the way the way that the sinbad movies would um which are told like with tales uh you know like adventure tales uh it's different in that way and when you if you watch jack the giant kill you will see it is very different in certain ways it portrays it even though Kieran Matthews is the same and stuff like that and he, he looks like Sinbad. obviously it's only a few years after playing Simbad what you'll notice is is that the some of the stuff here is very fairy tale like um, which is to me one of the things that makes this movie stand out as being so different than seventh voyage is that it is such a fairy tale it's such like you know like okay well there's this and this okay like yes there's princesses in both yes there are creatures in both But this one kind of has the feeling of a fairy tale that would, you know, uh, more of than an action adventure or an action um, or an adventure story. So, uh, Pendragon sends the demonic witch to intercept the ship. Um, The witches he sends to intercept the ship are crazy. Um, They're like blowing wind and there's stuff. It's just a weird scene and it's shot weird. But again, it's one of those things you have to kind of see to understand. It's it's just shot differently. It's not shot like what you would think you sure. Again, I think maybe playing more of that fairy tale. Uh, amid the chaos, the ship's captain is murdered and Elena is captured. Jack wants the ship to follow the kidnappers, but the crew refuses and casts Jack and Peter, the captain's young son, overboard. Yes, the crew take Jack, who's a fully grown adult, and a little kid, and say, get to Stephen. Um, at this, uh, at his castle, Pendragon bewitches Elena into an evil witch loyal to him. Again, she looks normal, except when you see her in the mirror, then she don't look so good. You know, at what, what is uh, the line from army of darkness? You found me, you found me beautiful once you got real ugly lady, you know, kind of thing. Um, so where were we here? So, uh, Pendragon returns to Cornwall and confronts King Mark. Pendragon tells the king that he has one week to renounce his throne so that Pendragon can rule with Elena by his side. If the king refuses, Elena will be killed. After Pendragon vanishes, because he's not actually there, it's just like, you know, it's not a hologram, it's like, you know, pre hologram smoke sending stuff over. Uh, king Mark realizes that Lady Constantine has betrayed him. Um, standing before a mirror, she appears in her witch form. King Mark smashes the mirror, freeing Lady Constantine from Pendragon's spell. So now we know something that Jack doesn't know. We now know to free uh, someone who has been bewitched of, of the curse, we have to get them look in the mirror and then shatter said mirror. Uh, the problem is, is that since we don't know that, since Jack doesn't know yet, he needs to figure that out when the time comes. At sea, a friendly Viking named Sigurd rescues jack and peter he introduces himself to that to the imp and the leprechaun it's okay so try it again so uh sigurd is the viking right and he rescues jack and peter he introduces jack and peter to the imp who is a leprechaun imprisoned in a glass bottle by the king of elves for having created the seven league boots from his pot of gold yes what I just read you is an actual what happens in the movie it's that there is now a leprechaun in this movie and it's he's, a, he's tiny he's inside a bottle the imp uh, you know obviously who's a leprechaun who only speaks in rhyming sentences because again he's a leprechaun um, explains that there there is three remaining gold coins uh, can, the, the three remaining gold coins can each grant a wish to an honest person. Uh, Sigurd has possession of the bottle without being granted any wishes indicating that he is not and he's not honest. Now that's the implication there. It's not like you know I mean you kind of figure it out, but it's not like explicitly like, oh, this is what's happening. Um, in exchange, Jack must free the imp once the wishes are granted. Sound kind of familiar, right? This kind of sounds like, uh, you know, kind of like Aladdin, right? With, you know, uh, uh, having to free the genie once you've, you know, used your three wishes. Or, you know, well, your, his last wish is to free the genie, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Jack agrees, and the imp guides them to Pendragon's Island. And now this is where business starts to pick up. Because Pendragon's Island is, uh, I mean, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be remote, and obviously the, the leprechaun, the imp, can help them get there. But the key is here is that uh, um, when you're looking at this island, they decide to go up probably the worst coastline you'd go up. He jack, I mean, here in Matthews almost falls going up the side. He's climbing up the side of this mountain. Um, it is, it's interesting. But by the th- same differences, you couldn't have them just land on the beach and have them go in the front. Like, you know, can't be too much like that because we know what that could turn into. All right. So uh, where are we here? Um, with his first two wishes, uh, Jack approaches Pendragon's castle and secures Elena's release, unaware that he's been he's been trained. Okay, so here's what happens. So Jack goes up. So now Jack's got to go down this this. Uh, I want to say it's a, it's it's not a courtyard. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a hallway, but it's not a hallway. It's outside. Maybe it is courtyard technically. Well, Pendragon creates the worst. Oh my god the knights, and they just kind of like bounce from one foot to the other, one foot to the other, and literally the, the imp is yelling, seize the bone, seize the bone! Like, he must yell it half a dozen times. Um, because Jack is going to fight these things. Well, I think it back. So Jack's going to fight these 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 uh, knights, these knights that aren't fully functioning knights. They kind of look like teeter toys. He touches them, and they poof the smoke. Um, then Jack has to, uh, uh, fight, uh, so, so he, okay, he, see what happens, he can't use his sword, he has to seize the bone, which turns into a whip, and he whips them, and as he whips them, they poof into smoke, um, which is weird, when you're watching it, um, and yet, the leprechaun screaming over and over again, seize the bone, seize the bone, does not help the, the, the craziness of the situation we you're watching, um, They now get into the castle, uh, where, um, uh, so he's now trying to, um, um, he's, okay. So he's trying to now save the princess. So he gets in, he gets, he gets past that. Now he's got to get inside and save her. But part of the problem is, is that he doesn't know she's been transformed. So Jack's able to get inside and again, still doesn't know that the princess has been transformed. He, he, he rescues her and they, they, go, they begin their journey home. So Elena, uh, ge- Elena, Elena gives Jack a sleeping potion. And then she, when she touches the imp's bottle, her evil nature causes it to grow hot in her hand and she, she casts it into the sea. This allows Pendragon to capture captures Jack and his company and attempts to force them to know the imp's location. The problem is Jack doesn't know where the imp is because Helena dumped him over the side. So when Jack is alone with Helena, she reveals her witch form to him. Uh, with Peter and, C- and Sigrid's aid, Jack breaks free and smashes Helena's mirror reflection, breaking the spell, foiling Fen- Pen- Pendragon's evil plan. Okay, so what happens is they—it's not just good enough that they're—they're going to be have him there. They—they—they um, they, they turn. <laughs> So Pendragon is telling him he's going to kill her if he doesn't tell tell her the the, the location. So he leaves, and she, and she starts begging him. He goes, "Well, I don't know where it is." And she's like, "You truly don't know." And that's when she reveals herself to be um, the actual to be a witch. Right uh, at this point, um, you know uh, Sigurd's turned into a monkey uh, or a chimpanzee. Uh it's just this it's a mess. I mean the everything that happens here it's just it just seems like I'm not sure that I okay I think obviously I think both movies both this and 7 voyage and, are, are aimed at a a you know at not to say children but a you know it can be appreciated by a younger audience. This movie truly is for a younger audience. I really think this is definitely for a younger audience. Um compared to uh you know, maybe some of the other what, what other movies like this could be. So, um now that they've foiled the plan, they've broken the mirror, they the plan, uh all of them are starting to flee the castle. Pendragon conjures um humanoid beast uh a humanoid beast named two, a two-headed giant, right? Um so humanoid is a it's a it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a two-headed giant. The imp bottle is washed ashore. And he grants Jack his final wish by summoning a sea monster, which is a which is a kraken, right? I mean, it's a version of a kraken um, to fight the giant, right? Um, so the 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 kraken and the, and the, winds up killing the giant. So the, it's a two headed monster. Now, so this is not the same two headed monster that would appear on the cover of Famous Monsters of Filmland. Um, it kind of looks like Cameron's kind of cousin. um, It's kind of a shame, because I think the the creature that we've seen, the two-headed creature that most of you, well, those of you who uh, follow AFM, remember from one of the yearbooks, I want to say it was 68, but I could have a year wrong. I could be totally wrong on the year. Um, You know, you would know that 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 two-headed creature looks like it's ready to do business. This one, again, I'm not saying they're silly, but they are far from Harryhausen level of stop-motion animation. So completely enraged by the Kraken killing his uh, two-headed humanoid beast, um, Pendragon turns himself into a hideous winged dragon and attacks the ship. The one thing I can say is, they definitely did not skimp on the scenes where they're going to have, again, whether you like the effects or don't like the effects, that aside, they definitely tried to up the ante here. There are a lot of creatures here. And the dragon here flies. Right? So, um, Jack is now fighting off uh, the the dragon. They go into the air. Jack is stabbing it. The dragon is diving towards the ocean. Um, it's I guess it's harrowing. I don't know. I, I mean, at this point in the game, you know, you've kind of seen what's going to happen. You know Jack can't possibly die because, you know, his name's on the, the can. You know, as I said, you know, Jack the Giant Killer. It doesn't say, like, Jack the X-Giant Killer. Um, Jack is able to... Uh, you know kill it with his with the fi- a fatal blow um which you know causes Pendragon's castle to collapse so Pendragon so as Pendragon dies his castle cra- collapse and it crushes Garna and all the witches and everyone inside the castle are all killed Sigrid and Peter are restored to human form um and, and as promised uh Jack frees the imp who uses his magic boots to return to Ireland, where he's, uh, while creating a rainbow to guide Jack and all the others back home to Cornwall? Yep, that's this story, folks. So, um, the again, the 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 Howard H, the, sorry, excuse me, the Howard A. Anderson Company handled the photographic effects with Projection Unlimited, um, which had won an Academy Award for the Time Machine supervising the stop motion and on their team was Jim Danforth in one of his earliest jobs, like I had mentioned. Um, and the post-production on this thing took 10 months. So it's not like they rushed this thing out. Uh, it, it became interesting when you realize that they made the musical version as well. And then the rights for these became kind of in limbo, like who owned the rights to the regular version, who owned the rights to the musical version. Um, The reception when this thing came out was actually pretty good. A lot of people, of course, immediately noticed uh, that it looked a lot like Seven Voyages Sinbad, that the stop motion was kind of like Ray Harryhausen. It was kind of like, again, remember, you didn't have all the Harryhausen movies just sitting on Blu-ray. You could watch it any time you wanted to watch them. So many people saw it in the theaters, and it might might have been years and years since they'd seen it, depending on what we released and stuff like that. And really what happened was uh, Jack the Giant Killer was released in 62 to try to cash in on the re-release of Seven Foys of Sinbad, which is why the musical version had to be made, because there was a lawsuit really going to happen. And it seems crazy to think that that would be like a thing that would happen, but that literally is what wound up happening. So what happened was um, Edward had actually announced this, um, to be done in he, he wanted to do this in '59, but um, the the I mean, he knew the special effects would take a couple years or whatever, so things kind of got it's, it kind of he kind of got everything all together in '59 and started, but he knew how long things were going to take, and then it took a while to get things going. And even knowing this, the, the effects would take 10 months after the movie was finished, so it just took time to get it get get over that what was going on. Um, and originally. He had he would wanted this to be just about a seventy-minute uh, movie. Uh, excuse me, not seventy minutes. A seventy-millimeter widescreen movie, um, which also kind of delayed things sometime as well. Not seventy minutes, seventy millimeters. Excuse me. Uh, when you look back at this, Jack the Giant Killer is not a great movie by any stretch of imagination, but it's not you know horrible either. I've watched so many worse movies than Jack the Giant Killer, um, and what happens is. As you watch this, if you if you're watching with a a younger uh, a younger audience or somebody who you know maybe is uh, you know um, again I don't want to say little kids but like little kids could watch this. My my daughter has seen this movie. I um, mean she's seen lots and lots and lots of stuff. She's not really a fair gauge for this. But there's nothing in here. There's no nudity. There's no. I mean yes there is violence and yes he does kind of hang Cameron Cameron. But it's not like he rips his head clean off and there's a lot of blood or anything. Um, I mean, maybe that might be a little much if your children are super, super sensitive. But, you know, kind of thing. But it's not like it's the end of the world. Um, the, the, you know, there's nothing in here where like the witches aren't so scary that it's going to give them nightmares. Um, there is no... Obviously, obviously, there's no nudity. There's no language. There's none of that stuff. Um, there's no blood. None of that stuff. It's, it's kind of shot at being a kid's movie. And at the end of the day, uh, for what it is, I mean, when you realize what went into this compared to um, you know what would go into a Columbia p- production, it's not horrible, but it just doesn't quite measure up against those Columbias. Now, I, if let's say we had never got Seven Voyages Sinbad, and let's say we never got Jason and the Argonauts, which is really hard, because those are two very influential movies. And let's say, you know... Your, your main thing you're comparing it to is, let's say, like the Three Worlds of Gulliver, which to me I think is one of the poorer of the Columbia Harryhausen uh, releases. Um, you know, I mean, would it compare to that? Sure. Uh, I mean, the effects in there, I mean, the the uh, there's not many effects in the Three Worlds of Gulliver. The main effect is fighting the alligator in the third act. But, uh, you know, the, the effects here aren't god-awful. We've seen so much worse than this. I mean, if they had done guy in a suit, you know, where it's kind of like forced perspective and stuff, you'd be like, "Oh my god, really?" It's not that bad. It, it it just stands out as being different. And I think if we didn't have the level at which Harryhausen had set the bar, this would be pretty acceptable, actually, for what we would have got this time, because they're not horrible. And like I said, Danforth, this is one of his first uh, fi- first feature films. He's really young. He's one of the. He's just one of the people doing it. When you look back at, like, a, like Time Machine and movies like that, you know, uh, those don't have, uh, they have some miniature work, but, like, when you look at the effects there, they're, they're really effective. These aren't horrendous. I think sometimes they get kind of lumped in as being really bad because the movie itself might be a tad more childish than some of the other adventure movies we had at the time. But, you know, I digress. I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. Now. I did mention there is a riff tracks of this, and I'm going to. And I know my dad hates riff tracks, um, and and Misty and stuff like that. But I'm going to say this: I have seen the riff tracks of this, riff tracks live of this. That to me is the superior version. It is one of the funniest riff tracks I've ever seen. Uh, mostly because I know this movie so well, so I'm not thinking about. I don't have to worry about you know, watching the movie and understand what's going on, and I can listen to what they're saying. If that's something you're interested in, it's normally, I want to say that, I mean, I own it on uh, like my, through the Rift Tracks app, and I have the DVD and stuff of it, so it's it's readily available. It's almost always on Amazon Prime, and if it's not on Prime, then it's sometimes on Tubi, or, yeah, I think it's Tubi, or IMDb, um, one of those two that were streams through Prime. If you've never seen that riff tracks and you enjoy riff tracks, please do yourself a favor and watch that riff tracks. It is very very funny. The one thing I can say is this: if you've never seen this movie and you want to watch this movie, that this is also again it depends on the time. It's often available through there through um, a Prime Video, but it comes and goes on Prime Video depending on when it's on there. I would watch the movie all the way through first if you've never seen it and you want to see the movie. And then, if you eventually want to watch it with a riff track over the top, but that's a different story. The key is being able to appreciate what's there on the screen and how much hard work people put in and stuff like that. And to be honest, it's in, again, I know it's sixty-two. Uh, you know, so you're thinking like, well, you know, effects have come along. You know, effects have come a long way. The effects did come a long way from the nineteen thirties and forties and fifties and sixties, and yes, and they went much further in the seventies and eighties and nineties. I agree, but this movie was made in 62, which means that it, it was released in 62, which means it was made in 61 and 60, right? So you got to kind of think where the level was this time, and this level is pretty much on point. The acting overall, I mean, Kieran Matthews, I love Kieran Matthews. He's just great. Uh, and uh, Thorne Thatcher is outstanding. Uh, some of the other acting is fine. I mean, it's nothing atrocious, it's people doing a job. You know, they're just they're fine actors and actresses. Um, there's nothing here there's no there's no role that's gonna blow you away. Um, it's not like you're gonna be like oh no, I'm so uh, you know um, uh, Barry Kelly as Sigurd. Uh, oh my god, you know that's the best you know I've ever seen of a Viking. It's fine and it makes sense in this level of film. All right folks so uh, you know we're getting to the point where, Um, Now that I've kind of gone through and done a couple of these by myself Again, scheduling issues as they come um, You know, we kind of look forward to what's happening We're getting close to the end of the year This is, of course, the Thanksgiving episode And I wanted to give you, you know I said I'd give you a big turkey And let's be honest, the musical side of this thing Already kind of puts this thing in like What the, you know, kind of thing So uh, the dad and I will be back for December The plan is that we're going to do Event Horizon now I say the plan because we have to make sure that well, one we can uh, spend time to get it done, and that two we both have event horizon. I know I do. I'm pretty sure Dad does, and we. If not, he'll just he'll just borrow mine. That's the plan for December, and then what comes after that? We'll have our Christmas episode, our year end episode, and then we're going right into 2023. I know it's hard to believe. 2022 has been a year, right? It has been a year, and a, and then some, right? To say the least. But as we're getting closer here, again, on Thanksgiving, um, everyone here at Bots, Bugs, and Babes, even those who aren't here with me today, want to wish you a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you get to spend some time with your loved ones. Um, You know, maybe, you know, again, getting away from all the negativity and and hullabaloo of the day. Just, you know, enjoying your day, um, you know, enjoying your time together, eating way more food than you probably should because, you know, we all kind of do that. Um, and, in, and enjoying your time. And then as we go into the holiday season, please keep in mind that the holidays are not easy on everyone. Maybe it's not easy on you, right? And that if you need help, we you please reach out for help. Don't ever feel that you are alone. We want you to make sure that folks, uh, you know, as people always say, I'd rather hear you complain than not see you at all kind of thing. You want to make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that you find some time to carve out time for yourself to enjoy what you enjoy, and whether and I'm glad that if you enjoy Bots, Bugs, and Babes, I'm glad to be, I can be part of that. But we also want to make sure that you have your happy, healthy, and safe this holiday season. Um, and please take care of those around you. Alright, folks, so, like I said, the plan is we'll be back in December with Event Horizon. And, you know, the only thing for sure around here is nothing's for sure. But the one thing I can tell you for sure is to keep those cards and letters coming then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at two twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. Find me under my name, Jason Jacknetty and search the hashtag The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter at Jason Jackanetti, and you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc., are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work. And any use of any property is purely for review, discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow.
0: There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?